Hello friends, happy new year. Welcome back to the Jack Ravel show. I have been super excited to release today's episode to you and the timing couldn't be better as we enter into the new year. Simon Alexander Ung is a life and business coach who has made a massive impression on the world. It's incredible ability to tell a story that not only draws you in, leaving you hanging on his every word, but also leaves you with a profound message to take away. His simple but powerful lessons are relatable to anyone at any stage of their journey. Whether you're just starting out in self-development or have been practicing for a while, Simon's words leave you feeling inspired and wanting to step up as a human being. You can't help but just love his work. His magnetic personality creates a fire in your belly that makes you just want to get up and go. Expect to learn how to find inspiration, how to take on challenges, the importance of gratitude, believing in yourself, and many, many lessons that you can take away and apply to your life today. I really enjoyed this podcast, and I certainly took a lot away from it myself, so I hope you can too. In other news, this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Unlimited Alcohol-Free Beer. Look, it's now January, and so it's a great opportunity to give yourself a break from the booze and do dry January, right? Unlimited Alcohol-Free Beer is the best option on the market for anyone who wants a great tasting beer with zero alcohol. It's also only 23 calories. So if you're also starting a new fitness routine in 2021, then you can reward yourself with that other than something that's got alcohol in it. So listen to the show, get 15% off with the code JACK15. Just head over to www.unlimited.beer to claim that discount. Right, now it's time for the wise and wonderful Simon Alexander Ong. Hi guys, welcome back to the Jack Ravel Show. Today, I have the wonderful Simon Alexander Ong on the show today, and we're going to be talking to him about his journey, uh, where he found the inspiration to become one of the world's most inspirational coaches, and just a bit more about kind of what he's up to and, and how he's inspiring the world to continue being the best version of themselves. So Simon, welcome to the podcast. Jack, thank you for having me on. I'm absolute pleasure. It's uh, it's finally nice to actually speak to you in person and meet you. I say in person over over the air. Um, you know, I followed you for quite a while on on the social side of things, and uh, you know, as the new normal is, I haven't actually met you in person. But you know, not to say that we can't uh, have a really good conversation otherwise. But for everyone listening, do you want to just give us a bit of background as to kind of who you are, what you do, and and kind of uh, yeah, what what's uh, what's your main mission in life? Fantastic. Well, the work I get to do today is I coach people on an individual basis. I speak at events, many of which are now virtual, uh, given we are living through a global pandemic. Uh, I partner with brands. I do a lot of stuff in the online uh, space, but it wasn't always that way. Uh, I remember back in middle of 2007, I was sitting in the lobby of a Canary Wharf company's headquarters. And I was sitting there as a fresh graduate thinking to myself, this is it. You know, this is it. My career is going to begin now. I finally settled on starting in an industry in which I can progress, in which I can start making money, and which I could make my parents proud. 
Uh, and the reason I say at the time I was thinking, this is it, and I was so happy in that moment in 2007, is because the previous few years, I had gone through a number of challenges. Firstly, I lost my mum very unexpectedly. She was only at the age of 49 when she passed. And also, I failed my second year of university uh, here in London. So that meant I had to resit a year. So having gone through those challenges and now sitting uh, at this company in the middle of 2007, I was thinking, yes, finally, things are starting to get on track. Unfortunately, uh, the industry I was about to begin with uh, was the financial services industry. And in 2008, we had the global financial crisis, the last global crisis uh, that we experienced. Not only that, but the company I was sitting ready to begin, ready to start my career with was Lehman Brothers. Uh, the company that went bankrupt in September 2008. So as you can imagine, not the best start uh, to a fresh career as a graduate. Slight hiccup there, slight hiccup. <laughs> indeed, indeed. But what it taught me is that those hardest times in your life, those challenges, those toughest moments are the very things that we often need in order to have the wisdom, the insight, and the skills to create the best times. And that's so what it became. You know, if it wasn't for that, it wouldn't have began the thinking process to what I now get to do today. Do you know, it's funny because every single coach I speak to has always got something that they've done that then maybe didn't go quite right, which then led them into coaching. And, you know, I've always, I like asking this question, but what is, what does coaching mean to you? Why did you sort of go, go into it in the first place, kind of from someone who was in financial sector and wanted to go down that route? What led you into something that, that essentially helps people with their self-development and gets them to where they want to go? You're right, Jack. I mean, when I think about it, looking back, financial services, coaching, very different, very different career trajectories. Um, and and if, I'm, if I'm honest, I didn't really view what I was doing as coaching uh, for a while until I got my professional qualifications and I embarked formally on this journey. So if I look back, I think it's it's interesting because I think the universe is always giving you science. It's always giving you nudges to what you deep down know you want, but we tend to ignore uh, until we're faced with personal challenges that get us back to who we really are. So when I was at university, uh, because I'd failed my second year, I knew my chances of getting a job in the city were that much harder. I couldn't submit an online application form because, well, what was I going to put down for my second year grades? Fail. Uh, I, I would be rejected at the first hurdle. So I knew that I couldn't submit an application form uh, in the traditional way. Now, one of the impacts of that was that in the year that I resat at university, I decided to join the investment society, You know, one of these many societies that you join when you are uh, a student. The only reason I joined that was because I thought that would increase my probability of getting a job, but it would also expand my network and connections uh, with those working in the city. Now, once you've got all your new members in society at the beginning of an academic year, uh, you go on stage when you're part of the committee to tell your new members your plans for the year. Now, behind the stage, uh, there were a few of us, about six or seven of us who were part of the committee at the time. None of them wanted to go on stage. And I remember watching people arguing, like, no, you go first, you go first. And I said, you know, I'll tell you what, I'll go on stage and I'll do the speaking if none of you can decide who wants to do it. So I go on stage, I speak to the audience, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, you know, I was one of those people in the group where I didn't get nervous speaking on stage. I actually relished it. And after that event, there was someone sitting in the audience who 
used to work at a company called Goldman Sachs. He was a managing director there, but he quit his role there in order to start a careers coaching company. And he approached me at the end of the event and he said, Simon, do you want to grab a beer at the uh, pub around the corner? Uh, as a student, when you've got lots of time in your hands, I was like, sure, why not? It's not like I've got anything else better to do right now. And you can't turn down a free beer either. That's also something. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so off I go and I'm in this pub, I'm listening to him. And he says to me, Simon, I really loved your energy. Um, I, I love sort of the way you communicated uh, and what you're bringing to the audience. Now, I recently started a careers coaching company, and I think there's some basic things that you can help my clients with. So I'm working with some of the best universities in the UK, and my goal is to help them land jobs in the city. So the way I think you can help them is do some interview training, help them present better, so that they can present a far better story and picture of who they are. And I thought, why not? You know, that beats working in the local Tesco's. You know, I'd rather help people get jobs in the city, get paid for it, get a commission for getting new clients for this guy running a company than just working stacking shelves. And so initially I did that for the money. Now, when I started my career in the industry, my first company, Lehman Brothers, I mentioned earlier, I still continued doing this on the site. And I realized, why was I doing it on the side? Initially, yes, it's because I was a student, I needed the money, but now I was earning an income. Why was I still spending time on the side doing something which was barely pocket money? And I realized it's because my mindset had transitioned from doing it just for the money to doing it because I really enjoyed seeing people tell me that they'd landed a job, that I had an impact, that actually something I said had opened up a powerful motivating force inside of them. And so when I was out of a job for 10 months, because the industry was very volatile post-2008, I had this rare opportunity to think about what I really wanted to do for the first time in my life. Now, I say for the first time in my life, because when I grew up in a very traditional Asian family, definition of success had always been being a banker, a doctor, a lawyer, or an accountant. So that wasn't really what I wanted to do, but it was what I internalized at the time uh, about what success meant. So when I had this chance to reflect on what success actually meant for me, that's when I started reflecting on this coaching side. Again, not really knowing it was coaching because I just felt like, well, this was fairly easy for me to tell people how to present better and how to interview better. And that started my curiosity into thinking, can I actually earn an income from this? And so I saw an advert, I remember back in 2011, 2012, uh, for an institution who were looking to uh, invite people to qualify as coaches, you know, learn more about coaching. And I went along for that. It was a two-day weekend. And that was the beginning of, uh, of an exciting adventure to what has led to today. I love that story. It, it's it's such a it's what sort of thing you hear on a TED stage, you know, where people <laughs> come 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 along and they tell this great story of how they're about to go into this great career, and then suddenly mm. the world flips upside down. And, and I'm sure there's going to be plenty of those stories coming out of this year, particularly. Mm. Um, but then you've you've seen essentially the positives in in what 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 you you had as a skill set kind of mm. deep down that you just almost needed unlocking yourself. And this 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 chap that saw you in the audience and invited you for that beer, I'm sure saw something in you that you didn't even mm. see in yourself at the time. So, you know, let's fast forward now to kind of where you are today. And you, you know, you've qualified as a coach. You you are one of the world's best coaches. You inspire people. I've seen so many things on YouTube and the social media and the people that you that you help and and, and unlock their potential. It's just incredible. So 
before you know before we touch on who you help like what 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 inspires you why why do you keep doing this what what is it about this particular line of work that makes you get up every day and go yeah this is this is how i'm going to go forward for me i think it's the tangible impact you can have uh, you know when i was sitting behind a computer in a cubicle in one of these big skyscrapers everything's just numbers and abstractions in in front of your screens that you can't physically or emotionally feel uh, the impact that you are having. Whereas with the work I get to do today, whether it's through a video I've published, whether it's through something I've written on social media, whether it's through working one-on-one with a client, whether it's through speaking to an audience, I can feel that impact. And there's knowledge and power in knowing that you are having some sort of meaningful impact. It's the same feeling you get when someone passes you in the street, they drop their wallet and you pick up the wallet and you give it back to them and they express gratitude to you for that. Now, no one's given you money for that, but you just have this feeling of being a meaningful person, having done a meaningful bit of action. And that's the feeling I started to get. And I realized that, wow, there's a lot of value that I can bring through the work I now get to do. And for me, if just one person comes out from looking at my post, watching a video, reading something I've written, and it has the power to transform their life in whatever way, then that for me is my work done. And I realized over time the power of inspiration, that it's not just that one person we inspire. And actual fact, we end up creating a ripple effect because that one person we inspire, they go on to inspire their network, and their network goes on to inspire their network, and so on. And so we underestimate the power of inspiration, the power of change, and that it can ripple through. And we have no way of measuring it, but we can be proud in knowing that the impact we have will live long before that first interaction we just had. So inspiration as a word, what does it, what was, what does it mean to you? To me, inspiration is that catalyst to taking action. You know, when you are inspired, uh, you suddenly feel you can take on the world, you can take on whatever challenges the day throws at you, you can overcome any obstacles no matter the size. However, when you're not inspired, you easily collapse. You easily become a victim to circumstance. You easily complain about the world around you. Inspiration for me is what moves you from interest to commitment. It will move you from indecision to decision. It's what moves you from inaction to action. And that's why when you look around the world, the most successful people, the people that are known in the industry they are in, it's because they are inspired by what they do every day. They are energized by what they do every day. Those who don't achieve much, well, typically they're very uninspired. They feel exhausted. They feel tired. They feel lost. And now what I realized in my own personal journey is we can often feel lost, exhausted, and tired, not because we're doing too much. You know, We're in an age where all of us are doing too much. We got everything at our fingertips. Uh, we're watching videos. We're scrolling through social media. Everything is available. But that's not what causes us to be uninspired. It's the fact that we're doing too little of what really inspires us, what makes us feel alive, and what gets us up in the morning. If you're doing the things that inspire you, you're naturally going to feel energized. When you're energized, you do the things you want to do. When you do the things you want to do, you get even more inspired. It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy in a circular motion that a increases you to high and high levels so where do you find it because i'm listening to this and i'm nodding my head for those watching the video you will see me nodding like one of those dogs on the back of a parcel shelf (laughs) because i completely agree with everything you're saying however there may be some people listening that are like yes i would love to feel like that but i'm just not inspired 
Mm. What do you say to people like that? Well, firstly, I think inspiration starts from feeling content and happy. Now, if you're feeling sad, if you're feeling down, you're feeling depressed, then whatever strategy or hack or tactic you use, it's going to be very difficult to feel inspired because you're always going to be critical. You're always going to be, uh, you're going to always have a negative attitude or response to whatever someone may recommend to you. Someone may recommend the best strategy to you to feel inspired, but if you are someone who's negative, it doesn't matter because you're not going to try it, action it, or even believe it can work for you. So for me, it always begins with understanding where you are emotionally. Uh, what I do as a daily practice, and I recommend uh, those listening to practice this, is the act of expressing and feeling gratitude. Because ultimately, happiness begins with gratitude. There was a great experiment done on YouTube a number of years ago by a channel called Soul Pancake. And it was based on an experiment done by Martin Seligman. What they did is they brought an, uh, this group of people into a room. They measured their, I guess, their emotional feeling at the beginning of this experiment on a scale of you know, not feeling happy to feeling very happy. And then what they did is they conducted this experiment and then measured their level of emotion afterwards as well. What the experiment comprised of were three actions. The first is they had to think of someone that they could be very grateful for, someone who has had an impact on your life, however small, but comes to your mind right now. The second is they had to write down, again, in as much detail, but it didn't have to be long, just as long as it was in as much detail as possible on why they chose that person. So it could be a loved one, it could be a partner, it could be a close friend. Whoever you chose, write down why you chose that person. Get as specific as you can. What is the impact they've had on your life? How have they helped you? In what ways? How have you grown because of them? And then the third action, which for me was the, was the game changer, is they had to pick up the phone, call that person, and tell them live what they wrote down. Can you imagine the emotions that were going through their mind, their body at the time of doing this? And then after they finished, their emotional feeling was measured. What was surprising was the person that came into this experiment the most depressed, the least happiest, ended up having the greatest jump forward to feeling happier. That is the power of gratitude. That is powerful. So, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think of the people, as you were saying that, I was trying to think, oh, who would I choose and who, why, why have they inspired me? But you're absolutely right. It, it, it kind of comes down to that feeling of just expressing what other people have done for you and also you know what you are really grateful for i think in especially in the western world we are very much uh, we take for granted a lot of stuff that we have on a day-to-day -day basis and the world that we live in is is it's very much you know instant gratification and we get anything anytime whenever we want so it's very hard to sometimes separate ourselves from that and think right what am i actually grateful for am i grateful for the fact that i can just go outside freely or you know mm -hmm. i can call my friend on a mobile phone or whatever it might be but once somebody understands gratitude and understands that they can they can unlock that, what does that then give them? What does that allow them to be able to do with their lives? For me, it's it's the fact that it opens the pathway to abundance. Uh, you know, when you move from always complaining about where you are in life to being grateful for what you have, suddenly it opens for me the pathway to abundance. You know, Pam Grout said it best. I think she quoted uh, this. She said that gratitude is the gateway drug to abundance.
Um, I guess one way of putting it is one of the things that we forget easily is that life is very short. And that the fact that you are alive right now is an absolute miracle. You know, I listened to a TED talk by a woman called Mel Robbins. And in this TED talk, she said that the odds of you being born based on what scientists have looked into has been put at over one in 400 trillion. One in over 400 trillion. Now that is a mind boggling number, but let's just try and break that down very simply to see how they may have arrived even close to this number. And for me, my gut tells me it's probably bigger than one in 400 trillion. When you think about these factors, the odds of your parents being born the odds of your parents meeting, the odds of your parents deciding to have children, the odds of your parents being able to have children, the odds of your grandparents and your great-grandparents and your great-great-grandparents surviving two world wars, the fact that your lineage in your line of human history has remained totally unbroken to the day that you were born. Now think of the odds of all of that happening. And the fact that you are the link in your family's chain and you're still part of that today. Too many of us wish that we win one day the jackpot of our national lottery. But what we forget is that you have already won the greatest lottery there is going, the lottery of life. The question is, what are you going to do with that winning ticket? And when you are really grateful for the fact that you are here, that you have today to live. There are many people who didn't wake up today. You did. You're breathing. You get to experience the world, the wonders, the simple moments. When you're grateful for that, suddenly you find the inspiration. Suddenly you find the drive to make sure you grasp all that life has to offer and make sure that when you finish this life, you can smile and be happy for life well lived. Because there is a great quote that says, hell on earth is when you get to the end of your life and the person you became meets the person you could have become. I've lost my train of thought. That was amazing. <laughs> I'm like genuinely look, look, looking at the screen thinking, wow, I'm thinking of all these amazing things that I, I could do with my life and all the potential that I've got through just being inspired by listening to you. I mean, I'm not surprised that that gentleman from Goldman Sachs started a company and asked you to be a part of it. This is honestly, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. That's uh it's it's super inspiring and you're absolutely right you know you can't you can't fathom how lucky you are to be on this planet and and you do take things like that for granted and it, and it does cause people to put themselves in a, in a negative light so i wanted to ask you about potential because you know bleeding on from when you get inspired and you become grateful and you become you know somebody that understands that you are on this planet for a reason potential comes into mind mm. so what does potential mean to you Potential for me, the way I see it, is the fact that you have gifts that make you unique. First of all, we're all unique. That's guaranteed. There is no one ever that will be like you because your DNA, your preferences, your strengths, your weaknesses, how you look, that is entirely unique to you. So there'll, be, there'll never be anyone and there never has been anyone exactly like you. So already you're unique. Now, potential is the gifts and the talents that you've been blessed with. There will be things that come naturally to you that perhaps won't come naturally to me and vice versa. Now, potential can only be realized when we discover what those gifts are and we have the courage to not only follow them, to share them, 
but to express them in the world. For me, we all are born with potential. The question is, how much of that potential do we get to realize in our lifetime? For me, that is our job. You know, the universe's gift to us is life. Our gift back to the universe must be to find what those gifts are, what those potential is, and to share them as best we can with the world. Because that is what then leads to what I call legacy. You know, what you do for yourself will die with you, but what you do for others will live beyond your life. It's why we still remember the likes of the Luther Kings, the Bruce Lees, and so on. It's because they created a legacy by what they shared and what they gifted to the world. When we help others, we don't just help them achieve their potential, but we can change the world in the process because by them sharing their gift, the world gets to receive and enjoy something they would not have otherwise got to. I love that. It, it, it touches on, as I'm sure you know, the famous Anthony Robbins talks about, you know, the the, the four basic human needs, um, which which we all need to be essentially happy in life, which are, you know, certainty, variety, mm. um, significance, and, and love and connection. Once you've got all of those, you, you're kind of set, you know, there's things that are more important to you than others, but most of the time you're set. Then there's two others that I think are, are just as important that not actually a lot of people focus on. The first one is growth. You know, you need to grow in order to be happy. You need to be able to continuously be improving every day. But the second one, which I think is what you're talking about, is contribution. Mm. Contribution to something bigger than yourself, which ultimately will give you more satisfaction, more enlightenment, more gratitude, more any, whatever way you want to put it than, than anything ever before. And it, and it leads straight to what you were saying about legacy. You know, if you're able to contribute to the world and give it back something, whether you're someone who's made millions and millions of pounds and you're able to use that for good use, or whether you've created a company that helps people uh, in whatever way it is, or you've created some sort of machine or device that helps people be connected around the world or, or helps them cure, you know, diseases, that is contributing to the world. And I think what you, you know, what you just said there, leaving that legacy mm. should be everybody's mission number one. You know? Totally. Totally. Leave. Because I think at the at the end of the day, your value is determined by how much more you have given to the world than you have taken from it. If you want to be a person of value, that's what you've got to focus on. How can you contribute? How can you bring meaning to your life? How can you help other people? Uh you, you know, because I think that is something we, we often forget. We so easily fall into the trap of focusing on me, me, me. But actually, when you become someone who is a person of value, not only do you begin to contribute to your legacy, contribute to the lives of others, but opportunities begin attracting to you like a magnet. They get drawn to you like a magnet because we love working with people of value. When people help us, there's a higher chance we want to help them. But if people are always taking, how likely is it that you want to help them? It's the story, you know, it's the, the classic example of reciprocity. You know, if I <laughs> think about, you know, Christmas isn't far away. Think about giving a gift to Christmas, uh, giving a gift at Christmas and then receiving a gift at Christmas. I don't know about you, but I much prefer giving gifts because you yeah. get that feeling of <laughs> that person likes that thing they receive from you. When you receive them, it, you almost feel sometimes a bit awkward or a bit sort of like, oh, yeah, thank you so much. But, you know, I, I'd much rather give something to someone. So you're absolutely right. Giving the value of your personal potential mm. and your, your uniqueness. I think there's a Nassim Taleb um, quote that says, your uniqueness is your competitive advantage. Mm. If you're, if you understand what you can do and only you can do, then the world is, is, is your oyster. You can do whatever you want with it because you're the only person that can do that. 
what I'm going to do though is just bring it slightly back to kind of like the average Joe, the person yeah. who maybe is listening to this and thinking, I don't know what my potential is. I don't know where to start. I don't know where I can find this hidden, amazing thing inside me. Where, mm. where do people start? Where, I mean, you must've worked with people over the past that have this same problem. Mm. How do you help them? Definitely. Well, first thing to note is you do not wake up one morning and say, I know exactly what I'm going to, what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Uh, this is my purpose. This is my vision. It, it doesn't happen like that. Uh, often, especially in my, uh, in my own experience, it happens as a result of a series of events, uh, you know, a series of things that come together and you start to piece the dots together and you kind of think maybe there's some truth in that and, and you begin to follow it. Now, there's a couple of things that come to mind that you can do. One of the activities I did was I got a piece of paper, a blank piece of paper. I got a stopwatch out and I timed myself for around, I think it was 90 seconds, a minute and a half. And what I did is I wrote down on that piece of paper everything that I wanted to do in my life. Uh, now, it was, it was a free fall. So it, wasn't, uh, it was assuming there were no obstacles. So if money wasn't an issue, if time wasn't an issue, if I had all the resources, if I couldn't fail, what were all the things I wanted to do? And the reason it was 90 seconds is because otherwise I would overthink. I would think, well, do I really want that? Is that really what I want? And I wouldn't write it down. But when it's 90 seconds, it becomes a pure brain dump. If it comes to your mind, it goes onto paper because often there's a reason why it comes to your mind. Um, and I took that piece of paper at the end of 90 seconds and I visualized myself as the 90-year-old Simon looking at this piece of paper as if I had not followed through or began anything on that list. And I started to reflect as a 90-year-old me, what were the things that I would regret not doing? And I just started circling things as I went through. And as I started circling them, it started to offer me insight as to what I should be doing today. Uh, and that's one of the places I started with. From there, I then merged that with what I felt were my values. Uh, what I mean by values are the things that are most important to you. Because if you don't focus on what is most important to you, you'll end up being a victim of what other people feel are important. You end up doing work for them. You'll be, you'll be helping other people achieve their dreams. So once you understand what your values are, what's most important to you, and the things you would regret if you didn't start, that gives you a good starting ground. The rest comes from following your curiosity. Because there's only so long that you can theorize and you know, think in your head, but clarity and confidence only comes from taking action. So as you start taking action, no matter how small, you will start to get clarity. You will start to get more information to help you know whether this is going to work for me or it's not going to work for me. But you don't know if you just work through everything just in your mind. It's a good start, but there's a time for thinking and there's a time for action. That time for thinking and time for action, as you said before, doesn't come overnight. But what are the things people can do on a on a daily basis that can keep them on that tr on that track on that path? Because you know, I I'm I'm somebody who's who's been into self development for mm. a couple of years, but you know, only just discovered kind of the the real path that I want to go mm. on in sort of like the last few. And it's amazing when you do find that path. It, it's it's like you know, that sort of exponential growth that you see on a, on a graph, you're not just traveling at the same sort of gradient, you suddenly start spiking right up and you, and you skyrocket. And, and as you said, opportunities come at you left, right and center. But 
on a day-to-day basis, what stops someone from basically getting disheartened and sort of thinking, oh, what's the point? Sure. Well, a couple of things come to mind, Jack. So I'm going to go uh, through each of them in terms. I think they're important. The first one is your environment. Uh, I often get asked uh, whether I'm speaking at an event or I'm working with a client, what's the quickest way to succeed in any area of your life or business or career? The quickest way is to design an environment around you that makes it impossible not to succeed. The easiest way to get disheartened or dis- to, to get demotivated is by having a poor environment around you. What I mean by this is what are the things that you're reading? What are the things you're watching? What are the things you're listening to? How organized is your workspace? Who do you follow on social media? All of this has a, have a profound impact on the way you see yourself and what you see as possible. So you want to have an environment around you that not only challenges you to grow. I mean, we've spoken about the importance of growth today. Not just that, but holds you to a higher standard. If you have an environment around you that is teaching you to stick with your bad habits, then of course it's going to be very easy to get demotivated. But if you have an environment around you that constantly inspires you, that shows you what is possible, that teaches you that if you focus on what is most important, you can actually enjoy the success of the people sharing their wisdom with you, then there's no question. It just becomes a question of time, of when, rather than if. So I think environment is the first part of it. Second is your habits. Your habits is where success truly lies. If you want to understand the real secret to success, look at people's habits, what they do day in and day out. Remember, it's not what you do once a while that makes a difference. It's what you do every single day. It's, if you will, uh, it's a compound effect in action. You know, if you do something day in and day out, you'll get to a moment in which you don't even realize you've changed, but you've changed. It's like when you go when you go to the gym, and you've never been to the gym before, we're coming up to the end of the year now. When you begin a new year, so many people put fitness or health as the number one resolution. Now, when you go to the gym for the first eight to 10 weeks, if you go consistently, you won't really notice any physical difference. You'll look in the mirror and you'll say, well, where's my six pack? Well, where's my bulging muscles? You'll feel different, but you won't physically see it yet. But if you consistently keep going again and again, by one year, you start to look a little bit more different, but you won't notice it. It will happen so quickly, you won't notice it. And then within 18 months, suddenly you get people coming up to you and saying, wow, you look so different. You've really trimmed up. The thing is, the people will notice it more than you will. And when they notice it, that's the sign that you are getting the results. But too often, we are impatient. We want results now. We don't want to put the hard work in. But hard work is the foundation of any successful outcome. The third, if you want to make active steps forward, is to experiment. Experiment, experiment, experiment. There's a Chinese saying that goes, the difference between the master and the student is the master has failed more times than the student has ever tried. Again, when you experiment, you start to get more wisdom and knowledge. You start to see what works and what doesn't. Some things will resonate more with some than others. You know, for me, I enjoy uh, speaking more than I write. Uh, I enjoy doing certain things more than other people. 
But that is what gives us a unique difference. That's what gives us a perspective that differentiates us. You know, within every industry, there will be very similar things said. But because we come from a different background, because we interpret the world in a different way, that means we all have a different way to present or communicate our thoughts. It makes so much sense when you say it the way you say it, because as uh, you know, I've read 40 books probably in the last year or so on, on exactly this topic, self-development, pushing yourself every day, creating a great environment, having good habits, you know, all, all the stuff you just mentioned, but yet it's still hard to see yourself developing every single day. Because as you said, it's like you, you look in the mirror every day and you just see the same person, but you don't see what's going on almost behind the scenes. You know, it's like the, the back end of the computer, so to speak, until you get those people that come up to you and say, well done on that thing you just did, or you're looking really good, or, oh, congratulations on that marathon you just ran, or whatever it might be. So yeah, I, I completely understand with you the, 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 the almost the 1% better every day. I think it was a, a James Clear kind of mm. uh, analogy on, on that one. But one thing it kind of makes me think about is, is how you show up in the world, right? Mm. And as you said earlier about kind of instant gratification, and we're, we're not patient enough in, 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 in life, and especially now that the world is going very much more virtual, mm. How do you think people need to start showing up on a day-to-day basis if they want to improve their life and want to become the fullest potential that they could potentially come? Put simply, Jack, I think it's beginning each day with asking themselves this one question. How will I know that by the end of today, when I'm back lying in my bed, I have had a productive day? How will I know today will have been a productive day? The thing is, we move day to day, we live through each day with no plan, with no focus, with no intention, that by the time the year finishes, we've wasted that time. And we look back and think, wow, how did time move so fast? Time moves so fast because it got lost. We waste time. Mm. You know, time is what we want most, but we use the worst. So unless you are planning, unless you are living each day with intention, without a doubt, your time will get lost in this vacuum of, of time, if you want, this sort of vacuum of wow, you know, I've lost so much time and before I know it, I'm, I don't know, middle-aged, I'm old already. The fact is you've got to live each day with intention. So begin each day with knowing how today will be productive. That will mean you can focus on what is most important rather than get consumed and distracted by those things that are unimportant. To quote Stephen Covey, start with the end in mind. Indeed. indeed. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I love that whole thing about the time thing. For me, Time is the most valuable commodity that we will Mm. ever own, like ever. And the great, you know, the the great thing about it is that it's constant for you, for me, for Bill Gates, Beyonce, everybody. So everybody gets the same amount of time in the day and potentially in life. It's just how we use it that's different. And, you know, an analogy that that I'm going to steal, but I'm going to share with you is is one of thinking of time like money, because Mm. people look at money and they have the tangible you know notes in their hand and they can see it and they're like right well that costs that that costs that what if you thought about time as spending money instead of spending Mm -hmm. time so next time you're thinking oh i'm going to spend an hour of my time doing that particular task Mm -hmm. imagine the hour is actually costing you a hundred pounds would you say that the value of what you're spending that that hour on is worth a hundred pounds and if it's not 
then maybe you've got to think about whether it's worth spending your time on that particular task. Hmm. And you know, this, this, this analogy has always stayed with me because it's so easy to say yes to everything. Hmm. So easy. And it's great to say yes to things that mean things to you and that align with your values. But then every now and again, there'll be things that maybe you say yes to because you feel like you should, or maybe because you, you haven't thought about what actually is entailing in terms of commitment from you and actually ends up taking more away from you than it gives you back. And you end up living a life of kind of stressed out and burnt out and, and not giving enough time to yourself and the value you can give to the world rather than rather it being taken away from you and giving your time to things that don't necessarily matter. So if, if, if for example, someone was listening and thinking, yeah, I'm, I'm one of those people, like I give way too much time to other people or I spend all my time doing things I don't enjoy. What would you say to someone like that? Have boundaries, have yes. boundaries. Keep this in mind. Without boundaries, you will never experience true freedom. Yeah, we talk about analogies. You shared a great one just now, Jack, about uh, time and, and the analogy with money. Now, when we think about boundaries, reflect on the last flight that you took. When you take a flight, at the beginning of the flight, there is a safety demonstration. And during that safety demonstration, they say to you, when the oxygen masks come down, tend to yourself first before tending to others. The reason is that without your own oxygen mask on first, there is only so many people you can help before your own oxygen runs out. But once you've got your oxygen mask on, you can help as many people as you want. And it's the same with this. You have to know what your boundaries are so that things become either a hell yes or a hell no. Because every time you say yes to something, be cognizant you are also saying no to something else. Are you saying yes to the right things and no to the right things? That is a question for you. Because if you're saying yes to the distractions, if you're saying yes to the things that are good to do, but not really the most important things, then you're saying no to the very things that can help you realize your vision quicker. I love that. The, the, the quote or the, the, the author that comes to mind is, is Greg McEwen, who mm. wrote the book Essentialism. Now, if Greg, you're listening, I would love to get you on the show because I would love to absolutely dissect your book to the nth degree because I love it. It is one of the best books I've read this year. It, it talks exactly that. You know, we spend, we only have 100% energy to give to any one day. Right, you wake up in the morning. If you've had the best night's sleep and the best comfiest bed you've ever ever slept in, you've got one hundred percent energy to give. So, if you're giving ten percent energy to ten different things throughout the day, then how how much quicker that you know they're only going to grow at ten percent speed? Mm. Whereas if you've got one or two things that you're focusing on, which you can give maybe fifty or sixty or seventy percent energy to, not only are they going to get much better results, but they're going to get there faster. And they're also going to be much more fulfilling when you reach them. And it's almost that kind of para paradigm or paradigm of, of, of um, paradox, even of sort of, well, could I achieve 10 things in, in 10 years, right? Or could I achieve one great thing every year for 10 years? Mm. And, you know, I know which one I'd choose because <laughs> it, it allows you to be able to just really focus and almost double down and kind of immerse yourself in, 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 in a space where you're like, right, I'm just going to be really, really good at what I do right now. See where it goes, see what opportunities it brings, brings that environment where you're talking about earlier into the, into the fold and allows you to just immerse yourself in the right people as well as also the right things in life. It's, it's, it's fascinating listening to you, Simon, because as I said before, you've got such a 
great way of explaining such simple concepts that I'm sure most people already know. It's just how to compute them and put them out into, into the world. So I'd like to ask you, who inspires you? Who keeps you right now today doing what you do and, and keeping you kind of on top of your game and, and, and saying the things you say? Sure. So before I uh, get straight into that, I think in terms of who inspires, inspires me, it's, it's so many things. Uh, and I couldn't pinpoint to one. There's a reason because the way I uh, enjoy inspiration is something I'm going to recommend to the listeners, which is to treat anything that inspires you, whether it's books, whether it's a TED talk, whether it's a conversation, this podcast. Uh, whether it's a podcast, <laughs> is to treat it like a buffet table. Not everything is going to resonate from one individual. However, what you want to do is pick a mix and take what connects and resonates with you to design your own philosophy. That is the goal out of all of this. Uh, because just like when you have a buffet with friends, you will never come back from the buffet table with exactly the same looking plate, with exactly the same sizes of portions. It is the same thing with your own life philosophy. Your life philosophy will be different because hearing, even if it's from the same sources, you will interpret and take away different messages. And so for me, inspiration has come from everywhere, from something as simple as a conversation with a stranger by chance uh, in, the, in the city I'm in, London here, or while I'm traveling, uh, to hearing in person someone that I've uh, been inspired by or aspired to be like uh, in, in my career. But if I had to pinpoint just one person, I would have to say it's my wife. Uh, you know, she's been with me throughout this entire journey. She's been with me since I started uh, as a graduate in the financial industry. She's been with me for the ups and downs. She's, you know, she's seen my transformation. Uh, and I think having her each day, being one of the very few people that knows what's going through my mind, the challenges, the self-doubts, the fears, uh, and to always keep me focused uh, on what she believes and what she knows deep down, I know, but sometimes can forget, uh, I think has been so important. Uh, Ryan Holiday, actually, I think in an article he wrote a number of years ago, said finding the right life partner can be one of life's greatest hacks. <laughs> that is a hack and a half, that is. That's a, that's a good one. That's, it's a little bit, little bit better than just, oh, have you heard about this new uh, Chrome extension called Toby that kind of uh, <laughs> saves all your tabs? Yeah, that's a good, that's a good hack. I'm going to remember that one. Yeah, look, I, I, I agree with you. I think, you know, philosophies are made to be remodeled and, mm. and re-spoken in the way that, that, that you, you know, you see it. And uh, as, as we were saying before we started the show that, you know, we read books about, you know, all sorts of different things. And, and especially in this sort of self-help coaching kind of space, a lot of them say the same thing, but they say it in the way that means something to them. Mm. You know, Simon Sinek's a great example. You know, his book, Start With Why. It's not it's not reinventing that, you know, he hasn't reinvented something new. He's just reinvented the wheel and he's just done it in a way that makes people stand up and go, oh, you're actually right. It's not what they do or how they do it. It's why they're doing it that people buy into it. And it's super, super powerful when you find a philosophy or find a sort of a metaphor almost sometimes that makes sense to you and you can then explore that and, and express that in, in your own way. So yeah, I, 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 I absolutely love that. Um, when it comes to beliefs and we talked about values before, but the beliefs that, that you have in yourself, you mentioned your wife is, is one of your biggest inspirations. Do you find that you need people like that in your life around you to keep you believing that you are doing the right thing in life, you are on the right track. Definitely. Uh, something I mentioned earlier is about environment. We have to have the right environment around us. You know, one of the quickest ways 
uh, to succeed in life is to have an environment that makes it impossible not to succeed. But what that also tells you, linked to belief, is that you never get to the top alone. At the end of the day, no matter how successful someone is, no matter where they are in life, no matter what titles they hold, the simple fact is that we are all human. We are one and the same. And that means we all have doubts. We all have fears. We all have challenges that we're going through, whether people on the outside realize it or not. Uh, so we always need people around us that will support us, that will encourage us, uh, and that will help remind us of who we truly are. If we take that analogy to the world of business, it is why the greatest companies are those who have managers who are able to create a culture in which employees feel trusted, supported, and appreciated. Because when you have that sort of culture, anyone from the most junior to the most senior are inspired to demonstrate leadership qualities in everything that they do. But when you have a toxic culture, well, it's far harder to create a successful company when you have a toxic culture. And so that's why having the people around you, it's like playing football. You know, if you go into a football match with just yourself against 11 players on the oppos opposition, you're going to lose. But when you've got 10 other players around you that you trust, that you know have your back, that you know will support you in whatever challenges you're going to face in the next 90 minutes. You feel that much more confident to take on the opposition. I love that. Love that analogy. And it, and it makes so much sense because you're absolutely right. It, it kind of, the quote that comes to mind is that if you want to go fast, go alone, but if you want to go mm. far, go with others. And, and, and that yeah, totally, totally makes sense. One thing I did want to ask you which is i found on on the wonderful world of the internet is uh your relationship with close-up magic mm. i read that uh you once managed to stop a uh, a very young child crying on a 13-hour flight with one magic trick i'm intrigued Indeed. what what was the magic trick <laughs> so the close-up magic trick was just showing so we were sitting in the middle aisle uh, of economy class on the way back from singapore and there was a family in front of us and there was this little child looking for the gap in, 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 the, in the chairs there and uh, this child was crying and I, I went to my brother because my brother was sitting next to me at the time and I said can I just borrow your, your pack of cards so I took out a deck of cards I took out uh, a cards and I, and I showed the child uh, let's say it was Queen of Hearts and the child was looking at the Queen of Hearts and I did a snap and the Queen of Hearts changed to say the Ace of Spades in an instant and the child who was crying suddenly looked in the bemusement at what had just happened you know, the child couldn't communicate, but he knew what had just happened. Uh, and, and so it was fascinating. And when I was a teenager, I used to, uh, I watched these shows by, uh, there's a magician called Paul Zenon, uh, there's a magician, David Blaine. And this was at the time before DVD players. And I would record these shows on VHS. And I would rewind them again and again, so much that they had those gray black lines going through the, uh, the, the TV screen when you've used a VHS so, so many times. And I would try and, understand how they did the magic trick and i really i really liked that activity and what it taught me later was trying to codify success how could i codify how people were doing things how businesses were successful it, it, maybe it stemmed from simply that wanting to codify how people did magic uh, and i was able to blend that into talks i did early on uh, it was a great tool to use uh, to show people uh, what can happen when uh, you present them a close-up magic to almost take them away from the reality for a second I love that. It's such a it's such a great story that again just relates straight back to what you do and how you your passion lies in in how you help people and mm. it just proves the point that you know 
the world sometimes is very much blinkered in our eyes, in our, in our, in our minds. You know, we, we walk through in this very, very narrow view of what we think the world is. And, and until you speak with someone like yourself, you know, you don't understand what the world could be and the potential you could unlock uh, and the inspiration that you could be having on other people, you know. And I think it's safe to say that, you know, throughout this entire, you know, almost hour we've been on the show, I've, I've been inspired by you and I'm sure everyone listening has been inspired by you. So I just want to say, first of all, thank you for, for that. That's been... My pleasure, Jack. And I think the message from just now really is trust your curiosity. Uh, you, you know, when I speak to a lot of people, and as you say, uh, when you read self-help personal development books, a lot of people say the same things. Uh, and so what I help to educate people on is follow your curiosities. We all have different curiosities. Because if you read what everyone is reading, you'll think like everyone is thinking. So if you start reading what people aren't reading, if you start following things that people aren't following, then you will start to have a different view on the same exact concepts. Uh, you, you know, another great example that comes to mind is Steve Jobs, who his curiosity in college was calligraphy. Now, it wasn't something you would think of at first to your mind that, wow, I'm going to university, I'm interested in calligraphy. Uh, he was, uh, and he followed that curiosity. And he said, if it wasn't for following that curiosity, he wouldn't have had the understanding of the simplicity of design when it came to creating Apple products. And Apple being known for their simplicity and minimalism of design, it was because of his interest in calligraphy. Uh, so we all have different curiosities. If you trust and follow them, it might not be a thing you do long-term as a job or career, but it might be the very thing that differentiates you when you do what other people are doing. That's it. It's exploring your your inner curiosity that will lead you to not just meet the right people, but also be involved in the right circles and also you know create that environment you were talking about that allows you just to be yourself. Because if you can't be your true self in in the, mm. in a space that you enjoy, then then you're doing yourself a disservice. I I, t- I totally believe that. You know, I'm I I think I've, I read that you also into your fitness and your health and that sort of stuff. I'm the same. And for a long time, I thought, oh, maybe I have to go to the gym, or maybe I have to go and do this sport, or maybe I have to play rugby because that's kind of what everyone else is doing. But actually, I'm quite I'm quite internal. I quite I'm quite sort of uh, you know intrinsic when it comes to to sport. I like running on my own. I like swimming. I like doing things where I'm kind of focused and kind of just doing my own thing. And if I if I hadn't got into that, I wouldn't have met some of the most amazing people I've got in my life who have helped me with running competitions and running races and and kind of getting to that stage in my life. So yeah, I, I definitely think there was a lot to be said for you know following what you believe in, following what interests you. And just kind of looking around, seeing what's there, getting getting a feel for the space. And if you don't like it, you can always just turn around and walk out the door. Definitely, Jack. And I think you touched on an important concept of living a life true to yourself. Uh, you may have come across the work of Bronnie Ware, uh, a, a nurse in Australia who worked in the palliative care uh, ward of hospital. And she compiled a blog which got turned into a book about the top 10 regrets of the dying. And number one on that list uh, the regret right at the top was, I wish I lived a life more true to myself than a life for others. Powerful. So, so powerful. And that's from, you know, as you said, a nurse in somewhere in Australia, and she's just, you know, keeping notes of mm. these people that are just normal humans. It's not like they were multi-billionaires and, you know, people changing the world. They were just normal people. And and if that's what they're feeling, then, you know, I think that's that speaks for everyone else in, in, the, in, in the rest of the world. Simon, before we go, I would like to just touch on a potential uh, your your book that's uh, that's coming out hopefully in uh, in the next sort of year or so. Um, do you want to just tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So 
like with a lot of things I do, there's many things I've got on my list uh, of things I would like to do. Uh, and writing a book, if I'm honest, wasn't on the top priority list uh, until sort of Q4 2019. Uh, I got approached by uh, a publisher, uh, and the publisher was interested to explore doing a book together. Uh, however, when I got approached by the publisher, it started to get me thinking, uh, you know, is now the right time to write a book? Uh, is it something I should start pursuing now? And because I got approached by the publisher, I was thinking to myself, well, if I'm going to write it, why don't, why don't I do it properly? Uh, and I decided, well, it's nice to get that approach, but what if I could do it with the biggest publisher in the world? And the biggest publisher in the world, there were two that came to mind, uh, HarperCollins uh, and Penguin Random House. Uh, Penguin being the uh, publishing company that have done the books like by Simon Sinek, Seth Godin, Marie Folio, and so on. Uh, and so I decided to approach them. You know, I knew that uh, what can I lose? Worse, it'll be a no. Uh, and because I did it in a way uh, that they were able to research me, they could see my videos, they could see me speak, uh, I thought I had a good chance, but you never know. You never know. So about two months later, I get an email with no expectation because I thought, you know, they haven't replied. Maybe I'll just move on to the publisher that approached me. Uh, and two months later, I get an email saying, uh, would you like to come to our offices? Uh, and that's when the ball started rolling. And so the first meeting was in January 2020 this year. Uh, and after a few months of back and forth of finalizing some ideas, uh, July, we finally signed the contract. Uh, so we signed the deal. Uh, to uh, to release the book in spring 2022, but to start the pre-order marketing next year, uh, and so that's what I'm working on at the moment, Jack. That's fantastic. All right. First of all, I love the story of the the manifestation of saying, well, someone put that seed in your in your mind mm -hmm. and said, let's see if we can get a book written with yeah. Simon, and then you've sort of taken that to the next level and gone, well, mm -hmm. if I'm going to write a book, I want to do it properly, and I want to do it with a big mm -hmm. publisher, and I want to do it, you know, let's see how, how how far we can push this. And and you went out and you and you 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 mm -hmm. basically achieved what you said you were going to achieve, and now you're in the process of writing. So, when can we expect sort of pre-order? When can we expect sort of uh, you know? I'm sure people will want to find you on social media and find your website and stuff. And I, 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 will you be posting about kind of when that pre-order and and uh, re-release will go out? Definitely, definitely. You, you can you can be assured, Jack. When the uh, pre-order is ready to go, I'll be uh, sharing it all over social media. Fantastic. Uh, if uh, if listeners do want to follow that journey, uh, they can do so uh, by subscribing to my newsletter on my website, SimonAlexanderOng.com, uh, or find me on all the major social media platforms: uh, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn. Uh, I'm uh, also on Twitter and YouTube. The handle on Twitter and Instagram is the same. It is at SimonAlexanderO. Uh, I personally read through all my messages and reply as quick as I can. Uh, so you're not going to be texting a bot uh, or uh, any assistant. Uh, so if you do have any questions, if there's anything you want to ask me, do feel free to drop me a message. I can confirm that as well. Simon has been always very attentive to my messages, uh, even though I have rashed him a few times in the past for various things. But no, he's uh, he's extremely friendly and personable, and and as you can see from this this show, extremely knowledgeable and and super insightful, uh, and to me, uh, inspiring to listen to. And I, and I know that I'll be listening back to this show uh, multiple times myself uh, to to kind of gather the insights again and and to listen to it in a different way. But Simon, thank you so much for joining uh, us today on the Jack Ravel Show. I really appreciate your time. And uh, I really look forward to seeing you in the future, continuing to uh, push out your, your amazing message and uh, your book that will be launched uh, in, in the near future. Thank you so much, Jack, and uh, have a great week ahead.